Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good evening, everybody. Greg, I actually wanted to tell you, you asked about women's conference yesterday. Do you know they were playing Bonomoya up in this church yesterday? We were busy kutihuing here. Just saying. Women's conference is great. Um, okay, hello everybody. That was an aside. If you don't know me, my name is Jess. I am one of the pastors, I think, still in this church. Amen. It's my husband, Zach. We've been here for a very long time. <laughs> it's good to be here. So, um, yeah, this evening I get the privilege of sharing this sermon, sharing the word with you. And we're going to be talking about how to hear God's voice better. We have been doing a prayer series for a while. And I mean, really, since the beginning of the year, I think it's been this theme of how do I abide in God? How do I hear his word? How do I live out what he has called me to. And so this is really just a continuation of that, looking a little bit at some of the principles behind hearing God's voice and how we can do that better. Um, and I do want to say that our Hearing God's Voice training is a really incredible course. If you haven't done it, it is for every single believer. And I really recommend it. It changed my life. It's coming up in September, so make sure to attend that. Listen out for those announcements for when it comes. So I'll start with a story. Jonathan and Joanne, I'm sure you'll remember this. I was, it was one of the first times that I heard God talk to me. I'm actually glad you're here. Um, I was in matric. I was already serving in kids' ministry at that time on pretty much every Friday. And anyway, I met a boy. And it was a long time ago, Zach, don't worry. Um, and he, we started talking, and he asked me out. And I know, you know, we've been telling the kids at Kids Victory Weekend that you should pray about these things before you do them. So I prayed, I asked God, okay, God, do you think that I should date this boy? And I distinctly had the thought, no. And I went, I'll take that as a maybe. <laughs> and do you remember? <laughs> they did not think it was a good idea. Neither did God. And uh, three weeks later, he broke up with me, broke my heart, made me very upset. I learned a lot about dating and when you should or shouldn't do it, and about hearing God's voice. And so this is kind of what we're talking about tonight. Some of the times that we ask God to speak to us and we don't hear him correctly or we just choose to ignore what he says, like I did. So let's begin by praying. <laughs> Jesus, thank you that you are so, so good that you speak to us. <laughs> You're not a God who leaves us as orphans. You're not a Lord and master that's distant and far away. You're a God that really wants us to hear your voice. Thank you for that privilege, Lord God. Thank you that we get to be close to you. And so, Father, we open up our hearts to you tonight, Jesus, that we would see the areas that we are um, maybe making mistakes in, Lord God. We would see the barriers that we have to hearing your voice. And I pray for such a fresh anointing tonight, Holy Spirit, that every single person in this room would hear you speak to them, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at a bit of an overview of how to hear God's voice by talking about 
conversation, right? What does it look like to have a conversation with God? Because that's the thing. When we're talking to God, it should be a conversation. It's not us saying, God, I want a da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's not God saying da-da-da-da-da. It's both ways. It's a back and forth, okay? And if all you're asking God are yes or no questions, then maybe you're missing out a little bit on the conversation part of hearing God's voice. So when we're talking about a conversation, it has four components, and this is what's going to structure how we talk about this topic today. The first two elements in a conversation are the two people that are having the conversation, which in this case is you and God. And the third element is what you guys are talking about. And the fourth component is how you're having the conversation, the context. So for example, if you're talking to your mom about your boyfriend, that's a very different conversation from talking to your best friend about your boyfriend, right? And it's different from talking to your mom about what you're gonna have for dinner. And it's different if you're talking to your mom about your boyfriend at your boyfriend's birthday party in front of his friends. Like, these four components matter, okay? And they determine how the conversation goes. So we're going to be talking about God, what God would talk to you about, the subject matter, the setting, and you, and the role you play in the conversation. So, firstly, God. In one of the scriptures that comes up when we're talking about God's voice and God speaking to us is John 10 where Jesus gives us a promise that God will speak to us and we'll hear his voice. And already from that scripture, we can get a sense of the characteristics of God's voice. Because the truth is that God's voice is not the only voice that you will hear, okay? There's other voices, other thoughts that come up in our minds. There's your own thoughts, your own desires. There's the expectations of other people. What social media has told you is right and wrong. What the news has told you is safe or unsafe, right? There's all these other voices that also talk to you. There's the devil and his temptation and what he wants to distract you with. So we've got to figure out how to pick up God's voice from those voices. And one of the ways is knowing God's character, knowing his traits. And so already when we look at John 10, we can pick up some of that. How, how would God speak to us? How would he sound? What is his voice like? It says, but he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and God is the shepherd. Okay? We are the sheep. So you are a scarpy in this story. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? But already from this we can tell characteristics about God's voice. It's going to be familiar to you. It's not the voice of a stranger. A stranger's voice fills you with fear and confusion. That is not God's voice. That's what the scripture says. It says that God's voice is 
um, familiar, that he knows and cares about your heart and your future, right? It's full of love and kindness and safety. God's not a, a God whose voice is going to be like an ultimatum, who's going to um, give you a, if you don't, then this will happen. That's not God's voice, okay? It speaks about our identity. It is leading and guiding and not shaming. It comforts and does not scare. That these are the characteristics behind God's voice. This is how we know it's God talking to us and not the enemy. And I think that it's so important that that identity component, because I think so many, much of the time, we're asking God yes or no questions because we're afraid of failing. And God is saying, well, I wanna speak about who you are so that you know what to do in those yes or no situations. That it's not just all about me telling you my opinion or my direction, but I wanna empower you. You're a son and a daughter. So, God's voice is consistent, which is also really, really important. Because we are not consistent. <laughs> We're like up and down, yes or no, you know, yes, I want to go on the mission to Cyprus. No, I don't want to go on the mission to Cyprus. The Lord has told me to go on the mission to Cyprus. No, the Lord has changed his mind and told me to stay back at home. <laughs> That's not God. That's you. <laughs> or somebody else that's influencing you, but it's not God. And so when there's this back and forth in what you feel like God is saying to you, then you need to reevaluate what that voice is because it's not God. God's voice is consistent, okay? So that's, these are some of the characteristics that help us to hear God's voice, that God is our shepherd and we are the sheep. And the thing about a shepherd and his voice is that it's not always gonna be yes things, right? The sheep can't always see when there's a ditch in front of them because sheep are dumb. And you and I can also be dumb. And we can't always see when there's a ditch in front of us and it's the job of the shepherd to lead the sheep away from those things. And so sometimes God's voice to you is no, those are not the right people to hang out with. No, that's not the right job for you. No, that's not what I've told you to do, right? It's not always yes things, but it can still be God's voice. It just will lead us and comfort us and guide us in that place. It's not, no, you're gonna fail at that job. It's not, no, you're not good enough for those people. That's not God's voice. And so it's, you've gotta pick up the character of God's voice so that you can tell when it's God or not. So the second thing is the subject matter. What would God talk to you about? That's also really helpful to know if it's God or not, okay? But there are specific things that God wants to say to you. He has what we call a rhema word, a word in season for every single person. He knows about your questions, your heart, your desire. So I can't answer that. But I wanna talk about principles behind hearing God's word accurately because we can also misinterpret or misapply God's word. So these are like just guidelines around hearing God's word accurately and applying it well. It's kind of like a health test, if that makes sense. So the first principle that I wanna say is that God speaks for his glory and not your glory. I'm sorry, but it is not actually about you. He wants to talk to you he wants you to feel loved and seen and known so that you can be used in his glorious plan to reveal, uh, to save the earth. I was gonna say reveal the earth, that's a weird <laughs> statement. 
this scripture in James, you know, you ask, you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly, right? That we have to review why are we asking God certain questions? What is actually on our heart and our intention behind those questions? Because sometimes God might not be asking your question because you're asking it wrongly, answering your question because you're asking it wrongly. So that's one principle. There's this reality about sheep that they, um, they have to be looked after. If they get too woolly and aren't shorn, then they can die of overheating, okay? If we get too puffed up and filled up on our own opinions and our own desires and our own purpose, then we can kill ourselves with overheating. It is for your good that it is not about your glory. Because your glory, that scripture that Greg read, you cannot conceive or imagine what God has for you. The things that you're imagining are for your glory are very limited compared to what God has for you. And so the reality is that we have to lay down our agenda, our to-do list for God, all of the things that we're telling God that he should be doing for us, and seeking out his glory if we really want to find wholeness and fulfillment and purpose. The second principle is that to know God is the greatest privilege we have. This is so important. (laughs) To know God is the greatest privilege we have. If you've been a Christian for a while, God is probably very familiar to you, and that is a good thing. But do not take for granted that familiarity, because he is God. He is amazing. Like it says here in Isaiah, he made the mountains, he weighs the oceans in the palm of his hand. He's greater than the galaxy that our little earth is in, and he knows you, and he cares about you. And so this principle is important because the conversation we have with God should really be about this. Oh my goodness, I get to know God. God, can you tell me more about who you are? Can you tell me about your plans and your purpose? Because this is the greatest privilege we have. And the truth is that this is the only thing that's eternal. Everything else that you do on this earth will be only for this earth. And then your eternity starts. And whether or not you've gotten to know God in that eternity will show up. This third principle, the Bible is the primary expression of God's voice. And it's really important that we know that because whatever we are hearing from God has to line up with the Bible. But what I want to highlight here is that you have to know the Bible well. (laughs) Because just like we see here, the devil also knows the Bible. And he can use it to try and tempt you. And if you don't know it well, you may fall for that temptation. The Bible promises that there will be false teachers in the church. How will you know? By knowing the Bible. So it's not like, you know, my verse of the day and amen, but like knowing the scriptures well, reading them, praying them over yourself, absorbing them, walking in them, figuring out how to live out them out. If you are, have been, if you're saved and you feel like God is not talking to you right now, read the Bible. This is what God is saying to you. I promise. No matter what is going on in your life, this is what God is saying. And so we actually have to spend the time knowing the word and sitting in it. And that's the other thing with when it comes to learning how to hear God's voice, is you have to put the time in. You actually have to do it. There's no other way. You won't hear what God is saying about the thing you're asking him if you never make time to sit and talk to him and listen. (laughs) 
If you know the Bible well, then you'll know that God's voice is loving. And what does that mean? It'll keep no record of wrongs over you. It is always enduring, always hopeful, always faithful. You know, that's what love is. You'll know that the, his presence and his voice speaking to you will always produce gentleness and faithfulness and kindness and patience and goodness and joy and love and peace in your life because that's the fruit of his presence. You'll know that he'll always encourage and strengthen and comfort you. Like that's what happens when you know the word is that you can test that word in your life. You can test whether or not you're hearing God. One of the deceptions that we have in our age at the moment is um, this lie that my opinion is kind of the only opinion that matters for my life. I get to define what I am and I get to define the situation and I don't need anybody else's opinion on this. And in Christianity, sometimes that's expressed by, I, I pray, I say what I want to say to God, the end. And we don't actually get input. And we're not open to input because our judgment of a situation is the only judgment we care about. And I can promise you that your judgment is not accurate because you're not God. And this was what you know, Adam and Eve did. They chose to define for themselves what is good and evil instead of trusting in God's definition of good and evil. And so we have to, um, when we're doing that, right, we have to own it. Okay, God, I've just, I've just been relying on my own definitions here and my own judgment here. And I'm going to open up this area to what your perspective is. Okay, the fourth principle God thinks generationally, and Noah touched on this already. His words are for an eternal purpose, okay? The word that he speaks over you is for an eternal purpose. And it will be expressed in eternity. So what that means is, it might not look how you expect it to look in your hundred years on earth, or however many they are. And we make this mistake a lot where we are looking for God to manifest his word like this. And when God doesn't manifest his word like this, we get hurt and disappointed, we get bitter, and we decide God can't speak in that area. And then we close it off. <laughs> and so this is an area where it's not necessarily that we mishear God, but that if we don't have this perspective and God doesn't fulfill our expectation, then we might never talk to God about those things again, and then we'll struggle to hear God. Like this example with Abraham, right? Where at the end of his life, he didn't have a whole nation that he had birthed, but he believed what God had said about him, and so it was fulfilled. And so we need to not look at what God says to us with our human perspective and expectation, but have faith, not walking by sight, but walking by faith. So one example, this is not exactly the same thing, but it's a similar principle about us putting our own definition and expectations on the word um, that God speaks to us. So a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago, I was praying. It was a hub service, and I was having a really amazing prayer time with God because I was praying for my cousin's fiance who had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And the amazing part about the prayer time was that I felt God speak to me and say, Jess, you've been given authority. You get to pray for healing. And I was like, 
Yes, I do. And I was praying and it was amazing and I felt God give me a word for my cousin and I shared it with her and she felt that it was accurate and it was a really great time. Two weeks later, her fiance passed away. And I was really upset with God. And the, if you look at what God said to me, was any of it a lie? No, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't fulfilled the way that I was hoping <laughs> and my expectation. And you know, God and I are still talking about that. But that's, it wasn't a lie. And God is trying to teach me to walk in his authority. And he uses every single opportunity he can to teach me that. Because he's undoing some of the lies that I believed about myself. And so he will use every opportunity to teach me that. No matter what the outcome is, his word was not a lie to me. And my faith in what God said to me will produce fruit. And so I have to believe. That's on me. That's on me to believe what God said. And already, some of that word did start producing fruit in my cousin's life. And I hope it continues to do so, which is on her. <laughs> but that space of God not meeting us with the way that we expected shouldn't be that we disqualify his word. I mean, this is a side note, but I feel like it's worth saying. You know, when that day that he passed away, I was so upset with God. Sorry. And I called him a liar, and I was angry. And, um, and I mean, ugh, Jesus knows me for a long time now, but I was still upset. And I went to... Um, find my husband, because <laughs> that's my like human form of comfort. And we were talking, him and I and, and his parents, and they said to me, so my cousin's fiance in the last couple of weeks of his life gave his life to Jesus, which, thank you, Lord. And they said to me, what if he would have fallen away? What if this is God's mercy, that, that he was taken now when he was felt the most alive? And what if it was? And that's just a human reason to help us to accept that we can't always understand everything. I don't know, but what it does tell me is that my judgment and my perspective is so limited, is so limited, but God's mercy and his goodness is endless. It is eternal, and it will be seen in eternity. And so we need to trust what God says to us and accept it and enter in with faith and not with sight. Amen? Okay, amen. The fifth principle is that God's voice brings peace. God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And if you are hearing an answer that is not peaceful, either it is not God speaking to you, or you're not asking the real question that you want to ask. For example, you may be asking God, um, should I apply for this job? And God says no, and you feel a lot of anxiety. Perhaps it's because your question isn't, should I apply for this job? Your question is, will you take care of me? And so that's confirmed in the word, right? That I will clothe the lilies on the valleys. I will feed the sparrows. How much more are you to me? That God does speak to us about those things. And so we need to get honest about what are the real questions that we want to ask God. Okay. 
So we've spoken about how to know the character of God's voice, how to know the kinds of things that God would say. The third thing we're going to talk about is the setting, the context. How can I actually hear God speak to me? This is a bit more of the practical element. So the, I want to highlight that God speaks in our mind. Okay? If you have gotten saved, then your spirit is renewed, and so you can speak with God, and you can hear his thoughts in your mind. Like This is where your spirit, mind, will, emotions, all of that is have, sitting up here. So it's not going to be... All like writing on the wall all the time. Why? That was to unbelievers. <laughs> God speaks to us more intimately than that, which is in our spirits, in our minds. It's not just for the, the out there, but to speak in your heart. And so you have to start paying attention to your thoughts. And one of the things that we teach in hearing God's voice is to pay attention to those first thoughts when you're asking God to speak to you, because a lot of the time that's God. But we can dismiss it because we want it, we like, no, but you have to wait for the glory to fall or something like that. You have to like hype it up. And there have been so many times that I have tried to make God's word sound more important or spiritual or something because I thought that it should sound more spiritual and then I was wrong because God speaks. <laughs> I don't have to like qualify God's word, it's God. Um, I have many times prophesied wrongly. Do you call that prophecy still if it's wrong? I have tried to prophesy, false prophecy, yeah. Because I was, it was like, I got a sense from God, but I felt like it needed to sound more important, more spiritual. So I changed it. And then the person was like, eh? I don't have a son. That happened to me once. <laughs> True story. True story. And so when it's your, the word to you and God is saying, I love you, and you're going, okay, God, but I need something more important. <laughs> Just stop and think about that for a little bit. How incredible is it that God loves you? Like, just stay on what God actually tells you for a while, right? So if you, learn, if you want to learn how to hear God speak to you, you have to practice. You have to put in the time and the effort and then pay attention to what you get. If you're completely dismissing it all the time, then you're really going to struggle to hear God speak to you. There's four ways that we hear God, okay? Because God speaks spirit, when we're praying in tongues, we're speaking spirit back to God. But when he speaks spirit to us, we kind of need like a human way of understanding that spirit. And so this is what happens in our minds. We see something, whether it's a picture in our mind or a dream or a vision, we see something. And for us as humans that have sight, a lot of the times it's the sense we rely on the most. So it's quite a common way of hearing, hearing God. Or we can hear something, hear a sound like the story with my cousin, when I felt God speak to me, I heard those words in my mind. You could hear a sound, you could hear words speaking to you, you could hear a song, you might feel something, a physical feeling, an emotion, or just knowing something that you didn't know before. So those are different ways that God's spirit will speak in our mind. So pay attention to that. If you've asked God to speak to you and you suddenly feel warmth, that's God. Why not? Pay attention. Write the things down. Review it. Is it biblical? Is it encouraging? Does it have God's character, right? Is this the kind of thing God would say? Is it confusing? If it's not those things, well, okay, that doesn't make sense. If it is the things that are of God and if it's not the confusing things, then it's God. <laughs> Thanks. So these are some tips, okay? If you're trying to practice it, remove distractions. If it's, you're early in like learning how to hear God's voice, it's really difficult to hear it in front of the TV. There's a lot else happening. Maybe it's the other generations, no? And then you'll be hearing other things while God is talking. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Begin with thanksgiving. Write down what you hear with detail, the first things, right? Respond to God as he speaks to you. He's not like a boss that just wants to give you an instruction to do. He cares very much about your heart. Pretty much all of the things he's going to say to you are about your identity. <laughs> he cares a lot about it. So respond to God. Review what you've, what you've written down. See if it's accurate. Practice sharing God's word with someone else, right? Because I have found that when I'm struggling to hear God talk to me, I still find it very easy to hear him talk to other people. Probably because I don't have as many doubts when it comes to other people. I have a lot that I want to interfere with when God talks to me, about me. But it's a, it's a good practice to actually step out and do it. So can we do a quick activation? So I want you to close your eyes where you are. We're going to just practice this a little bit. The closing eyes is just removing distractions. It's nothing more spiritual than that. And we're going to ask God to speak to you. So I want you to, in your mind, visualize yourself sitting in this auditorium. Visualize where you're sitting, what it looks like. And I want you to ask Jesus to come into that space. Pay attention to what you feel, what you see. And if you start to see or feel or hear something, just ask God for more. Ask God what he's saying to you. If it feels negative, rebuke it, move on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sorry to interrupt. But if you feel like you've heard God and you're ready, you can open your eyes. If you need more time, go for it. I'm just going to keep talking. Who felt like they saw or felt something? Okay, cool. Awesome. If you didn't, keep practicing. Keep listening for God. Make the time to do it. That's the only way. It's the only way. Amen? Okay, last point. Can you go to the next slide for me? It's not working. Thank you. The last element in a conversation, in the conversation with God, is you. So we're going to talk a little bit about what your barriers may be to hearing God's voice for you. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus talking to a woman that he met at a well in Samaria. But I'm not going to read the whole story because it's quite long. You can go and read it in John chapter 4. But I'm going to look at it from the perspective of the woman, the hearer, how she responded or engaged to God when he spoke to her. Oh, it's working now. Oh, that's backwards. 
Sorry. Okay, so the first thing that we see is that she disqualified herself from being in that conversation. Jesus came and asked her for a drink, and she was like, but I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jewish person, and we're not supposed to be talking to each other. So she immediately disqualifies herself. And we can also disqualify ourselves from being in a conversation with God. And I think this is one of the key things that we need to learn, is to build up the confidence that you can hear God speak to you. And sometimes that disqualification is not about us as individuals, but about a particular area. God wouldn't speak to me about X. Sometimes it's a disqualification of God that we make. God, you're no longer qualified to speak to me about X because you disappointed me. And I'm upset. And I'm hurt. And so there's these disqualifications that can come up in our hearts that we put like a barrier, a wall, and then we struggle to hear God more clearly because there's this barrier. So the first thing we need to review when we're struggling to hear God is whether or not we've disqualified ourselves or Him from being in that conversation. And then we need to repent of those things and bring them before God. Okay, God, I don't believe you can talk because of X. Or God, I don't believe I could hear because of X. And open that up to God. The next thing is that she used her human logic when God was speaking to her, and so she misunderstood what he was saying. Jesus said, if you asked me, I would have given you living water. And she said, but you have nothing to draw water with. She was like, nah, what? You know, how, how? you need a bucket thing to pull the water out. So she didn't understand what Jesus was, asking, was saying to her, and so she, she was confused by that. And we do this a lot too, where it's like from our perspective and our logic, and God is saying, I, I'm going to use you to bring salvation to people. And you're going, but I don't speak well. <laughs> I don't do that so good, Jesus. So I think, I think that word was for Greg. Yeah, okay, that word was for Greg. And we use our human reasoning and our human perspective, and so we can misunderstand God. And it's that, very, it's that same point about coming and hearing God's voice and believing it, applying faith to it instead of sight to it. And walking in faith and not sight. And this is something that we have to get better and better at if we're going to hear what God is saying to us, is actually engaging it in faith. We can um, project our perception and our prior experiences on God. And we can, and the human reasoning can sound like, okay, well, God wouldn't love me because my father didn't love me, <laughs> right? Or God wouldn't heal in this area because he didn't before. Our previous experience can be that form of human reasoning. And instead of us creating a barrier with it, we need to become vulnerable with it, which is exactly what we see the, this woman doing. When God starts to speak to her about her past, she becomes vulnerable with God. Something about Jesus saying to her, you've had five husbands, instead of her going, you know what, I don't need your judgment, Lord, I'm out. She engages with him and becomes vulnerable with him. And sometimes when God speaks about our past, it is really painful. And there are times that we do that, you know what, I'm out, Lord. <laughs> and we close off that area. But instead, if we become vulnerable with that thing, and we look for how to surrender in that space, that's where we'll find freedom and healing and restoration and mercy and peace. So I, um, I want to share this illustration. I hope that it comes across well. But 
when I told you about my cousin's fiance passing away, and so that Sunday, there's a lot that happens for me down here, by the way, during worship on a Sunday. So every time I preach, you're probably going to hear about it. Um, that Sunday, I was, you know, just asking God for His mercy, His love, for His heart to be revealed to me in this area of hurt and disappointment that I had. And I felt like God said to me, Jess, you need to surrender your heart. <laughs> so how many of you have heard God say that like a hundred thousand times to you? Is it just me? I was like, <laughs> like really? <laughs> you know that moment when you're like, God, what is surrender even? Like I feel like we've done this before. Isn't that salvation? Check, you know. But that's what I felt God was saying to me. So I was busy like, oh, Jesus, what does that even mean? And I had this picture, and I want to show it to you as best as I can. Zach, can you help me? So imagine that this water bottle is my heart. This was the picture I saw. God said, you've given me your heart. And I had given him my heart. And then he said, so who's holding your heart, Jess? I know. I was like, me. <laughs> and he was like, so you need to let go of your heart. And I was like, that's really scary. I don't want to do that. Because when I'm holding it, then I have something I can hold on to that I can know and understand and feel like I can control my emotions around. But when I let go, I don't have any more control. Don't you know that, Jesus? That's really scary. And God said, this is the only way that you'll be able to feel my love. What if it's real that I love you this much all the time? What if it's true? You won't know it if you're still holding on to your understanding and your perspective. You can only feel just how much that love is when you let go. Thank you. And so when it comes to vulnerability and surrender... It's that space of letting go of our perspective, our understanding, our comfort, what we can wrap our head around, what we can deal with, my ability to deal. That's not what God is looking for. He's looking for my trust in His ability to deal. <laughs> Amen. The last thing that we see the woman at Samaritan the Samaritan woman doing when she talks to Jesus is that she tries to pursue worship. Instead of just asking God what to do about her husband, she's asking him, how do I worship you better? How can I know you better? And if you want to hear God's voice more clearly, then this should be how every conversation goes with God. How can I know you better? How can I worship you more? How can I draw closer to you, Jesus? How can these, these things that I'm wanting you to answer in my life, how can you and I worship and engage better in those spaces. How can I be more vulnerable, be more real, be closer to you? This is how every conversation should end with God. Not that they should end, but the purpose of every conversation. So in closing, as we wrap up, I want us to pray about these things, to ask God to really reveal to us where we have barriers to hearing His voice. Is it that we're misunderstanding the kinds of things God would say? Is it that we've put a different perspective on who God is than what He really is, and so we can't hear His voice amongst the rest, that we're not making the time to actually do it, or that there's, there's hurt, there's wounds, there's barriers in our own heart that are making it difficult to hear Him? So we're going to close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your goodness. No matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we call you a liar, get disappointed, get angry with you, you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never take your voice away from us, you never withdraw your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We just honor you, Jesus. We just want to repent for where we've been proud, Lord God, where we've put our opinion, our perspective, our judgment of something above your judgment of something. We want to repent, Lord God, for where we have prioritized other things instead of making time for your voice, where we keep doing things that are for our satisfaction and comfort instead of to be with you. We want to uh, repent, Lord God, for where we've put the voice of other people, including other Christians, in the head of your voice, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to speak to us, to reveal where there are errors that we're making, where there are hurts and wounds that we have that are making it difficult to hear your voice. We want to abide well. We want to abide we want to stay connected to the vine. So come and speak to us, Jesus. We lay it all at your feet, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we commit to making the time to pursue your voice, Lord. We commit to making the time to walk in closeness with you, Jesus. We commit to be children that care and honor and respect the voice of their father. In Jesus' name we pray.